Welcome to the Tanya Acker Show. Something that some of you may know about me is that I love Disneyland. I love Disneyland. It is one of my favorite places, which is why I absolutely had to have on this next guest. Nathan Firesheets visited all 12 Disney parks in 12 days. He's an engineer. He really broke down the Disney experience. So I promise you, you must listen. He's got all kinds of Disney hacks so that we can maximize our fun at the Magic Kingdom. Here I am with Nathan Firesheets and happy summer, everybody. Nathan, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a joy to get to talk to you. I want to know why you did this, because as I understand it, you, unlike me, are not a Disney super fan. I actually am a, a super fan. Uh, yet and still, um, you embarked on this adventure. What made you do it? A lot of people would say that I'm just a little bit crazy, but uh, I like a good challenge. So it seemed like a like a fun challenge, a fun adventure, and uh, nobody had ever done it before. So why not, you know, be the first? You like a good challenge, and people say that you're a little bit crazy, but you also like amusement parks. I mean, you're not Disney specific, but from what I understand, you like amuse- all, all kinds of parks all around the world. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I, I would say that I am a uh, a bit of a coaster enthusiast. Um, I've ridden most of the major coasters in the United States. I've had the opportunity to travel overseas. Uh, last year, I did a two and a half week coaster tur- tour throughout Germany. Um, I've also visited uh, the UAE, Japan, and South Korea, and ridden all those coasters there, and uh, Canada and Mexico as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I've, uh, something north of 800 different roller coasters that I've ridden all kinds of different parks. Where's your favorite? Who's got the best? My current number one roller coaster is Iron Gwazi at Busch Gardens, Tampa. So that's currently my number one. It used to be uh, Fury 325 at Carowinds in Charlotte, but Iron Gwazi took that top spot. So, As I understand it, as you're doing this Disney adventure, the Disney challenge, You didn't have any special VIP pass. You stood in the lines the same way everybody else stood in the lines. Or, you know, you used the resources that anybody could use, like the fast pass and all of that. What ride had the longest line? So I think the longest I waited may have been the 45 minutes for Dumbo in Hong Kong. They had a premier access, which is what they call their fast passes, to skip the line. But I couldn't get the app to let me buy it. Uh, and so I had to wait in that line. That was a, a painful 45 minutes. I think there may have been a couple others that were close to that, uh, but I don't think there were any that were above 45 minutes on the whole trip. What's your advice for people about how to best use their time and line? Because so I normally go to amusement parks with people. So at least while we're in line, you know, we can chat or do whatever. But you were doing all of this by yourself. So yeah, how just, did you occupy me. yourself while you were standing in line? So the the first step is to try to not have to stand in line in the first place. <laughs> that's that's you know goal number one. You know, get there early, get a bunch of stuff done quick. Use your use your fast pass, lightning lane, premier access, whatever it may be, uh, when possible. Single rider lines if they're available. But if you have to wait in line, that's why the good Lord gave us uh, cell phones. Twelve parks, right? Twelve yeah. parks, twelve days. 
And how much did you come out of pocket? Well, I think I heard it's around $12,000. Yeah. So 12 parks, 12 days, $12,000. It's kind of nice and poetic. A lot of people, they hear that number and it's a scary, huge number. But then a lot of people that do international travel or do big Disney trips go, wow, I'm really surprised that it was that little. So I think context is important because this was literally a trip around the world with Disney parks staying at on-property Disney hotels with a bunch of line skips, food, taxis, all those kinds of things. It could have been less, uh, but I booked on pretty short notice from the time that the last travel restriction dropped until when I was able to fit the trip in with my work schedule was only about two months, actually slightly less. So I had to get all the planning and then the booking and everything done. So because I was booking so close to the travel dates, a lot of those prices for the hotels and flights and things were higher than what they could have been if I'd been able to plan this, you know, say six months out. And then I also ended up landing basically on top of spring break in Orlando uh, so that drove the the hotel rates, you know, up pretty high there as well. But you know, all things considered, you know, I'm pretty happy with uh, with uh, how it worked out. Did you feel like this was so goal driven that you couldn't, you know, did you lose some of the magic of the Magic Kingdom, Nathan? Did you get a little well, jaded? <laughs> so the good news is, uh, I'm an engineer. So I love logistics and logistical puzzles and things like that. So there's a a fair amount of enjoyment that I derive just from the act of figuring out how to piece everything together. That being said, if you're doing it right, you have so much time and you're going through all of the rides without having to wait in line. And for me, the waiting in line is the part that sucks a lot of the fun out of the day. I've done enough theme parks and enough things that I have kind of a, a metric that I've found over the years holds to be pretty true. And that's if I get to the end of the day and if I subtract out, let's say a park is open, you know, 10 hours or something, and I subtract out, you know, the hour that I took for a leisurely lunch and maybe another hour for a show, and I've got, you know, eight hours of actual park time that I was, you know, spending trying to do rides. And if at the end of the day I realize that, you know, I've done 24 rides, that averages to three rides an hour, normally if I'm in that threshold, I feel like I've had a really good day. Like that's like, I look back and I go, I got a lot of stuff done. I had a lot of fun. It was great. If I get four rides an hour on, on average, that's like, man, I'm just, I'm just cranking through stuff. The park was really empty. I was able to do a ton. If it's two rides an hour, you're still, it's like, okay, like it's still okay. It's an enjoyable time, but it's, it's kind of on that threshold for me. And I've found that that two rides, three rides, four rides an hour metric really holds true when you start looking at all the all the trips, all the parks that I've visited. For me, at least, that's my threshold of feeling like I'm getting the most out of my park day. And so when you get to some of these parks and people wait in these two, three-hour lines, that just that tanks your average. It makes it really hard to enjoy your day, and it makes it really hard to recover from that and get your kind of total day back up to that number of rides that really you want to hit for it to feel like you've gotten your your time and your money's worth. But because I'm able to do all this so efficiently, I've figured out the strategies, you know, how to go at the beginning of the day, then what to tackle the middle of the day when the park is busy, you know, what to get at the end of the night before it closes, how to use the line skips to my advantage. I'm able to hit those, 
you know, ride per hour numbers. So I feel like I'm really getting a lot of stuff done. And because I built time into this schedule, uh, just in case, you know, in case there was problems or issues or gotchas or things like that. And I didn't need that most of the time. I was able to use that for things like re-rides or to go explore walkthrough attractions or to see their nighttime spectaculars, you know, sit down and eat a nice meal, all that kind of stuff. So I, I may not have done, you know, all of the shows or all the character meet and greets or things like that. But for me, the parks are really like, I go to the parks for the rides and I was able to do all the rides and get re-rides on my favorites and do some extra things. So for me, yeah, like I was totally able to enjoy it. I was totally able to have fun. And a lot of people that said, no, there's no way you could possibly enjoy it. It's just, it's just the way I'm wired. If you've got to figure out how to maximize your time, right, then you've got to have some sense of what rides you start with and like how you plan the day. So if you're at the Anaheim Park, for instance, when's the best time to try to get on Space Mountain? Space Mountain is an interesting one because it tends to keep, you know, an hour wait plus or minus yeah, most of the day. Yeah, it's like huge. A lot of this, it, it all depends on what's your prioritization, what's your strategy, what's your goals. Because if you just want to get on Space Mountain, you can rope drop it at the beginning of the morning, head there very first thing, and try to be on the front edge of the crowd so you're not, you know, 200 people deep. So that's one way to do it. Uh, if you have the hotel early entry, if you're staying on site, that gets you in a half hour earlier, and you can definitely ride it a couple of times during that window. Because rope drop at the beginning of the morning is such an important time, you have to be mindful of your opportunity cost. Any ride you choose to ride during those first couple hours of the day takes time, and that's time that you're not going to be able to spend riding something else during that period of time. So I tend to try to prioritize rides in those first couple hours. You always want to start with a ride that's basically guaranteed to have a long, unskippable wait all day. For me, if I'm starting at Disneyland, I tend to go to Pan first. But if you're going to Pan first, you have to be on the very front edge of that crowd, and that requires a particular amount of hustle very first thing in the morning when they drop that rope. Um, Although now with the early entry, you've got to be there for early entry, stay on site, and then go get it. But if you're not going to be one of the first five ships dispatched on pan, you need to skip pan because otherwise you're going to stand in a 20, 30-minute line and waste that early morning potential. So I try to go and do like all the fantasy lane rides and other stuff that I can't skip later. And then I save Space Mountain for one of those later opportunities because you can get a lightning lane for it. And then at that point, you just, whenever your lightning lane is, you go and you, it, you take a few minutes to wait in the line to get in, and then you get on. It's, it's not that big of a deal. But they also have a single rider line. And they took it away for a little while, but now it's back. And that can save you a ton of time as well if you're by yourself because they just find an empty seat and they plop you in it. And you could be on it in just a few minutes. And given that you can only get one lightning lane a day, if you really want to ride space more than once in a day, and that's your big priority, and that's the thing that you want to do, then that gives you a way that you can do it without having to wait an hour each time. Was it one park a day, or were there some parks that you gave less than one full day to and other parks that required more than a day? It varied. In Paris, 
that very first day, I was able to do all of Walt Disney Studios, which is their smaller park there, and all but two rides at Walt, at, at uh, Disneyland Paris. But I also had to leave the parks for three hours in the middle of the day to go get a COVID test at the airport. That was a whole big debacle. The transit strike canceled the trains. I had to take long taxi rides. It was a mess. So that one, it spread a little bit into the following morning. But then I had the rest of my time there that day to just use for fun stuff. Shanghai was one literal day. Hong Kong, I had from around midday to the end of the the end of park closing, and then about two hours the next morning. So it was basically like a twenty four hour window from midday to midday. But I didn't end up needing that second sliver to finish Hong Kong. In Tokyo, I did all of Tokyo Disneyland in a day, all of Disney Sea the following day, and then I went back the third day. And I rode Pan, which had been closed and under refurbishment, but because I was back in Disneyland and it had opened, I went ahead and did it. Disneyland in California, I did in about 10 and a half hours on a Thursday night. And then I did California Adventure the next day. And then in Florida, I did Epcot and Animal Kingdom on the Saturday. And then I did part of Magic Kingdom that night. And then the rest of Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios the next day. So it's kind of a, a mix of one day and multiple days, you know, depending on the park and the and the flight schedules. Going back to the money for a minute. So the thousand dollars a day that you spent, did that include food? Did you buy food at the park yeah. or did you yeah. bring your own food? Oh no, no. I, I certainly couldn't bring bring anything, you know, flying and all the yeah, all the really, checkpoints that'd be too and all much that. Work. Yeah, well, that and just dealing with customs, you know, you can't really oh, take course. food, you know, into into different countries. But also just the the fact that I had to do all of this with my backpack that I was taking into the parks with all my camera equipment and, and rain gear and all that stuff, and then a single carry on sized rolling suitcase because the the weight restrictions for all the the segments in Asia meant I couldn't take a bigger suitcase. So I had to do some creative things with luggage. I had a coworker who's out in uh, in the LA area that I shipped a duffel bag full of clean clothes with, so I could swap everything out mid trip. Uh, but yeah, there was no room to take anything with me. So my rule with with these kinds of theme park things is you eat what you can when you can, uh, because you don't know when you, your next decent opportunity for a decent meal is going to be. Um, so if you have a chance and you have time to sit down and eat something, you eat it. And otherwise, you push through until the next opportunity presents itself. Because, you know, for instance, you know, in Hong Kong, my flight landed me a midday, and I had to hustle airport to the hotel to drop my stuff to then hustle over to the park and then try to do all the rides by the end of the night. There wasn't really a good opportunity there to stop and go eat something because that would have meant, you know, potentially risking not you know, getting everything you know, done. You also weren't getting a whole lot of sleep, right? Like you were sleeping no, only between four and six hours a night, which my friend is not very much. <laughs> no, four to six hours a night um, and then dealing with the jet lag. And that really hit me hard uh, when I got to L.A., uh, and I pushed through and I had that 10 and a half hour, you know, to do Disneyland and I got to the hotel that night and I crashed and I slept through all my alarms the next morning, um, ended up having to change my flight to Orlando to a red eye, which meant even less sleep that night. But I was able to, you know, power through and work through it and get, still get everything done. So it worked out. Okay. Who's got the best Disneyland or de- best Disney experience? Uh, which city? 
So my favorite Disney park will always and forever be the original Disneyland in Anaheim. That for me uh. is it's classic. It's got all of you know the the nostalgia with Walt and the the original opening day attractions. It's got the most rides of any Disney park, and it has uh, good to excellent versions of all the rides that are common at multiple parks. It's got two nighttime spectaculars with the fireworks show and Fantasmic. And then on top of all of that, it's got another park, a two-minute walk across the Esplanade with a couple other top-notch rides, another nighttime spectacular, a bunch of food options nearby. It's really like, it's the king of Disney parks, hands down in my book. What's your next adventure, Nathan? Because I got to believe that you've got something great on the horizon. What's the next thing? Everybody wants to know what's next. And the reality is that there's no good way to, to top this. Anything that I do after this is just going to feel like a letdown because this was such a grand adventure. But uh, I did uh, drop a, uh, a conceptual trip on, uh, on Twitter for April Fools that got a lot of people um, where I basically said that I was going to do an eight-week-long mega trip and visit basically every theme park, every major theme park in the country. Uh, it's like 50-something different theme parks and ride all of their coasters in one long eight-week mega trip. And a lot of people were like, yeah, that's awesome. It's exciting. Let me know when you come to my town. I'll come ride with you. A couple people were like, let me know when you come to this town. You can stay at my house. I was like, guys, <laughs> like, I can't take eight weeks off of work. <laughs> like, I have a real job. You're yeah, like, I, guys, I, I, I actually had to pay for this trip. I can't just yeah, yeah, I, I, buy I did some back of napkin calculations, and a trip like that would cost something on the order of like $25,000 at least. Yeah, it's it, two months of staying in a hotel every night. You had tons of gas, a bunch of park tickets, line oh, skips. Man. Nathan, I love how you just kept it all real. <laughs> like, it's good to have fun, but you got to pay for that. You got to pay yeah. for stuff. The so I, I, I got a, I got a good free. job, but it's not that good. <laughs> did you grow up? What did your parents encourage this in you? Did you grow up going to amusement parks and having adventures like this? No, like that's that's the fun thing. We went to we went to Disney one time when I was a kid. I was four years old. Uh, too small to ride a lot of stuff. That was the year that uh, they opened Splash Mountain, and my brother and my dad got to ride it, and I didn't because I was too little. Um, that was one of one of the vivid memories from that trip. But uh, yeah, lots of it's a small world. Um, uh, there's a picture that I, I tweeted. That's a picture of me on the Star Jets. Uh, just adorable little four year old me. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, we rode some stuff. But like, I didn't take away from that like this everlasting love of Disney or anything like that. There was a, a local amusement park in in our area of Atlanta called American Adventures that had this little powered coaster with a buffalo head on the front. And we'd go from time to time, but I was I was always terrified of that thing because it was loud and it just was like ah with the <laughs> buffalo. But you know, I mean I would ride it, but like I didn't I didn't love it. And then I did a whole bunch of reading stuff in school, you know, where you read a certain number of books and they give you a ticket to Six Flags at the end of the year. And I got that. I earned that every year for years and years. My parents never took me to Six Flags. They're like, he's not going to enjoy anything. And they were probably right at the time. But when I hit middle school, we had a band trip to Six Flags. 
I was in the group of people. They had a thrill seekers group. Then they had a, we're not going to ride anything. We're just going to walk around group. And then they had the, I don't know if I like roller coasters, but I'm willing to try kind of group. And that was the one that I got in. And I had a bad experience on my first coaster. It was a rickety, violent wooden coaster. And I didn't like it very much. <laughs> but I like, yeah, try the steel one that's smooth. So I tried that one and I enjoyed it. And it was fun. Had a blast the rest of the day. Around that time was when the uh, the roller coaster tycoon video games had come out, uh, and so I got into that. And I was, you know, I'd build all these parks and do all these things. I was all curious about it, but it, I didn't really have opportunities to to go visit a lot of these things. I did a couple of trips here and there. Um, my eighth grade year, we did a visit to Washington D.C. on a school trip and a day at Busch Gardens Williamsburg, and that was cool. My senior year of high school. Uh, we did a, another trip down to Disney, and that was cool. And then uh, between uh, undergrad, between high school and, and college, I did a trip up to Cedar Point. Did another trip back there between undergrad and grad school, and that was kind of basically it until I hit essentially adulthood. And I went, uh, I have disposable income. I can afford to actually go experience some of these things that I've looked at online for years that I've played with on this this you. Know, old video game from when I was a kid. And I started going on little adventures. My first one was out to LA. My last, it was my last ever spring break finishing grad school. I went out and I did Knott's Berry Farm, uh, Disneyland, uh, Universal and Magic Mountain a day at each park. And I had a blast. And then I did a bunch of other stuff that year. I did a three and a half week long road trip. Uh, It was kind of my big last hurrah between finishing grad school and starting work full time. And, uh, yeah, then from there, it was just, okay, more theme parks, more roller coasters, more adventures. Anytime work would send me somewhere, I'd tack on an extra couple of days and go, you know, ride something, have another adventure, uh, until I'd basically worked my way through most of the stuff in the U S you know, did some international stuff, uh, started doing these Disney challenges about five years ago, trying to ride all the rides at a resort in a day. So I did that at Disneyland a couple of times. Then I started trying to do it at Disney World. Did that, did it with and without fast passes and just tried to kind of keep escalating. Okay, well, what else can I do? What else can I do? And then at the end of 2019, I did the first ever Coast to Coast Challenge where I did all the rides at Disneyland in a day then took a red eye to Orlando and did all the rides at Disney World the next day. It ended up being 94 rides in 36 hours. And at the time, that was the pinnacle. And I didn't think there was ever going to be anything that was going to top it. And then now we've done the the Disney Global Ride Challenge. And now I don't think there's anything I'm going to be able to do that's going to top that. But who knows? Thank you also, really, for reminding us that we should remember to have fun. Like, it may not be Disneyland or Disney experiences around the world. You may not have uh, the resources to do that. But what Nathan, my new friend here, has reminded me and all of us is that we should remember to have some more fun. Do I have that right, Nathan? Is that your lesson for us? Yeah. And the thing is, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want that's, you know, going to bring you joy. And if you have the opportunity to go, okay, well, maybe this thing that I used to love has gotten a little stale, you know, add a little, add a little twist to it, find a little challenge. You know, if it's, if it's theme parks, you know, if it's Disney go, Hey, you know, can I ride all of the mountains? Can I ride all of the rides that have lightning lanes? You know, can I do all of this or all of that? Uh, just make up little uh, little challenges, little adventures for yourself. If it's something else, you know, come up with some other goal. But 
you know, it's so rewarding when you make goals and then you're able to achieve them. So make a goal and achieve it and then make another goal and achieve that. And it doesn't have to be anything super crazy. It doesn't have to be anything super, you know, strenuous, just something that you, you'll enjoy along the way and you'll get, you'll get that sense of accomplishment when you do it. And then you, you come up with something different. Uh, there's, there's so many opportunities uh, to, to eke a little extra joy out of life. Uh, you know, the world is here. You know, let's, let's enjoy our time on it. Ah, so well said. I had a guest on recently, Kameen Samuels. She's the Navy's first black woman helicopter pilot. And we ended our conversation with a um, chat about Disney because she too loves the Magic Kingdom. And we said we were going to go. So I feel like I am putting together in my head my dream Disney crew based on my guest alum. I hope you will join the Disney Posse when you're next in LA and we can make it work. Awesome. It sounds like an adventure. Take care, Nathan. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great rest of your day. 